my name is Rob Edwards and this is my podcast. Welcome to everybody out there on the internets. Uh, It is November. Episode chapter 10 of Written Blood and Silver is coming right up, uh, which is something of a surprise, I have to say, because I haven't finished writing the book yet, uh, and I had promised I would do that uh, before I finished reading the 12 chapters I'm recording. On top of that, it being November, I was seriously considering doing NaNoWriMo this year, uh, trying to get 50,000 words of another novel down. But given it's already the third when I'm recording this, and probably the fourth by the time you're hearing it at least, and I haven't written a word yet, I'm either very far behind on NaNoWriMo, or I'm not doing it this year. I'll let you know in the December podcast which of those realities we live in. Otherwise, not a great deal of news for you this month. Uh, Everything happened in October, uh, leaving my November fairly quiet as these things go. Uh, That is, though, a way of mentioning that Quantum Soul uh, and Tales from the Underground are both now available uh, from Amazon, uh, both in Kindle format for the moment, and Tales from the Underground also available in paperback. I have my copy in paperback. It is very shiny. Uh, so we may as well just crack on with the chapter. Chapter 10, a uh, bit of an interesting one, more important than it looks, uh, or listens, I guess, in this case. Uh, so when you could listen to it, there is there is more going on in it than you might first catch. Previously, on Writ in Blood and Silver. Dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. London, 1999, and Matt Chambers is continuing to have problems with demons on the London underground. He's recently become super focused on solving that and is taking it slightly too far. In training uh, with Broden, a man from Atlantis from 3,000 years ago, and Arthur Wessex, a cursed wizard uh, who can only repeat his own prophecy. And now, the continuation. Chapter 10 going south. Matt tumbled across the bare earth, gathering bruises on top of his bruises. He slid to a halt, down on all fours, breathing heavily. He spat out blood. Again, he said. Broden stood, feet planted, and parried every one of Matt's attacks with contemptuous ease. Matt growled and swung his fist again. He was better than this, had gotten better than this. Broden should be working harder than this. Matt forgot technique and lunged, arms open to try a grapple, but Broden seemed to glide sideways, and with a gentle push, Matt was sprawling again. Matt rolled onto his back and let fly with a burst of magical energy, raw and unsophisticated, trying to batter the old warrior with an unexpected attack. But Broden stood there, sword held before him, cutting through Matt's flows so the energy washed around him uselessly. Matt beat a fist against the ground in frustration. Again, he said, as he slowly dragged himself upright. No, lad, said Broden. I've let this go longer than I should. You're not learning now. You're exhausted, angry, careless. A warrior tries to avoid fighting if he is any one of those, but to fight when you are all three? No. Damn it, Broden, we can't stop, Matt said between ragged breaths. Time's running out. There's still so much that I need to know. I can't slow this down. Got to finish it. Get my life back. Good to see you keen to rush Wessex and me to our deaths. 
No, don't look like that. I know what you mean and why you said it. But I will not teach you any more tonight. It is late, too dark. And you're only standing at all because I've been feeding you energy again. I claim it back. Now. Matt collapsed like his strings were cut. Every muscle ached. He became aware of painful cuts and scrapes on his hands, arms and legs. He couldn't quite seem to move. No, Broden, no, just a little, a little more. Tell me about the move down, lady. The... No, I'm not being drawn into another conversation. I'm getting you on to your train. I'll feed you enough energy to get you home. But you must go straight there. Eat. Tend your wounds. Sleep. I will see you here after work. Again. It was a repeat of the conversation they'd had for three nights now. And the more Broden tried to be reasonable, the more Matt resented him. Still, he was teaching him what he needed to know. How to fight. Matt headed back to the empty flat had been empty since the morning he'd encountered the demon at Stratford. Kate had gone back to hers, leaving a very terse note. Matt hadn't had the courage to call her. He had another day to think, and after that, the party. He really didn't feel like a party, but... Well, he knew Kate was upset, angry with him. Of course she was. How could she not be? If he didn't get to the party, would that be it? He had another day to think coward. At home he made a sandwich and applied the last of the antiseptic cream to his cuts. He'd worked through the entire tube in three nights. Bigger tube next time. As he ate he doodled the shape that Wessex had shown him that had started this... this... started this. Matt was careful never to draw it all, careful to destroy any version that he got blood on wouldn't let the demon into the flat. Hopefully keeping different parts separately is enough, and I'm sure as hell not starting on blood and silver. But the energy Broden had fed him was wearing off. He needed to be in bed when it did, or he'd spend another night on the kitchen floor. He'd learned that lesson at least. He made it, barely, and collapsed into bed, half-eaten sandwich in his hand. Sleep overwhelmed him. He erupted into wakefulness. The afterimage of his nightmare swam with the demon symbol, and Matt could feel the anger burning away at him again. Small electrical charges sparked from his fingers. Wisps of smoke rose from his bedding. Matt fought to damp it down, get his magic under control. Broden had warned him that if he pushed too hard, his control could slip, and he'd been right. But Matt hadn't admitted it happened last night. And he wouldn't mention it tonight, either. Matt glanced at the clock. 5.29. Two mornings in a row. The exact same time. And like yesterday, he was too wired to sleep now. And besides, he was ravenous. Breakfast was the only meal he was having at the moment, so he made the most of it. Full English. Tea and toast. Even with having to cook all that, he still left the house earlier than normal. Despite willing the forces of Volnark on, his morning commute was uneventful. Again he was tempted to ride the tube a little longer, looking for a fight. But again he resisted. 
He sat at his desk and worked, worked harder than he ever had. He felt no connection to his job any more. It was pointless. But he knew how to do it, even on autopilot. And being busy made the day go quicker. And the day was all about waiting for Broden to show at the end. So the quicker it passed, the better. He all but jogged the park at the end of the day, heading straight to their spot where Broden stood waiting. No, not waiting. He wasn't alone. And what he was doing was arguing with Wessex. Matt slowed, stopped, not wanting to interrupt, but wanting very much to hear what the argument was about. The lad's right. He's got to learn to fight, and we both know that I can teach him more than that drunk can, Broden said. Reborn, renewed, the seeker must be made ready, Wessex quoted. Yes, and that's exactly what I'm doing, making him ready. Wessex shook his head and stabbed a finger at Broden's chest. The sword must guard, he pointed to himself. The guide must lead. Then get leading, Wessex. Look at me, Wessex. Properly look at me. I never lived long enough to go this grey the first time I lived. My time is running out, so yes, I'll push the lad if he says he's ready. You are ready, lad. Matt shrugged, embarrassed, and stepped forward. Saw me there. Right, yes, I'm ready. Wessex. Arthur, that symbol you showed me, Volnark's symbol. You showed it to me because you thought I was ready too, didn't you? Matt pointed to himself. Only the seeker may find. Wessex gave a tired laugh. Through fire and fear the blood of ancients sings. The seeker is found. Matt felt hope swell. You mean it. You think I'm ready too. The old mage nodded slowly, reluctantly, then held up one finger as a note of caution. The seeker must be made ready he said again, but the emphasis was different somehow. In the shadow of the tower, a fire is lit. Ah, well, yeah, I guess I did promise Pete to go back. Do you really think it's more important than more combat training right now, though? Wessex nodded emphatically. That truth may change everything. He produced a business card from his pocket, not one of his own. This had Pete's name and address on it in Wimbledon. Matt nodded. Okay, Wessex. Okay. But, Broden, I will see you here tomorrow. This was more important than Kate's party. You will, lad. Okay. Matt took a few steps away and then turned back, expecting Wessex to follow him, but the old wizard was still standing by Broden, looking sad. Resolutely, Matt turned and headed to Marble Arch tube station. He'd never travelled to Wimbledon before, so the first point of call was a tube map. Pete's business card didn't say which the closest tube was, so assuming it was Wimbledon Station itself, Matt's best bet was central line to Notting Hill Gate, then south on the district line, though perhaps a change at Earl's Court would be needed. Matt practised a few defensive charms that Broden had taught him as he rode the escalator down to the central line platform. He stood and waited for the train, in full-on commute mode, alert for problems, but trying to tune the world out in all other respects. He changed at Notting Hill Gate, escalator up, past two giant blue fans that stood idle at the top of the escalator, 
Matt wasn't sure if they were for ventilation or cooling, but either way, they were silent and still. He dismissed them from his mind and carried on up to the escalator to the district line. At the top of those was a whiteboard listing the tube lines. Next to most of them was a scribbled note reading, Normal Service. But Matt's heart sank when he saw parts suspended next to the district line. Oh yeah, that's old, said the tube worker standing nearby. We had some problems down on Putney Bridge, but they're all cleared up now. It'll be a little slow, but it's fine. Matt felt a surge of frustration, just the sort of thing that Volnark's minions like to use. He tuned his eyes to magic, looking for anything out of place. Nothing up here, but I should try the platform. He nodded thanks to the tube worker and headed down the stairs, more alert now, looking for trouble. If he couldn't get a theoretical lesson from Broden tonight, then perhaps a practical lesson on the way to Pete's would do just as well. But the platform, like the hall above, was empty of Aberdeck. Move down, ladies, or anything else that his magic senses could see. He blinked back to normal sight, easier to avoid falling off the edge of the platform, and worked his way along. The roof didn't cover the full length of the platform, and Matt could feel the evening October chill in the air. A light rain had begun to fall since he'd left Hyde Park, and passengers towards the far end of the platform had bunched up, reluctant to stand exposed when shelter was available. Matt was feeling contrary and in no mood to get crowded in, and went to stand in the rain. It suited his mood. This was prime hunting territory for Volnark, but his creatures were absent. Seeking was going to be harder if the bad guys refused to turn up. A quiet laugh sounded nearby, and Matt looked around to find the source, but there was nobody there, to normal or magical sight. Matt backed up, away from the edge to lean, hopefully with apparent casualness against the wall. He scanned again, looking for anyone that could have been responsible for the laugh. But there was nobody. Perhaps it had been an odd echo from further down the platform, or even from the platform opposite but it had sounded close. Close and familiar. He'd heard that laugh before. It had sounded... It had sounded like Jane from marketing. Janet? No, Jane. Jane laughed again. What is happening? Matt whispered out loud. But there was no answering laugh this time. Instead, a rather inaudible voice came from the platform PA. The district line is part suspended between Parsons Green and Wimbledon due to an earlier problem at Partney Bridge. London Underground apologise for the inconvenience caused. The next train on Platform 2 will be a Circle Line train to Victoria in about eight minutes. Matt joined the general grumbling from his fellow travellers and checked once more for minions of Volnark, but they were nowhere to be seen. Perhaps not every delay he'd ever endured had been caused by demons after all. Fine be like that. I'll go to South Wimbledon instead. Back up, back down, Matt headed to the central line again. Okay, central line to Bond Street. No, not until the Jubilee line extension opened up next month. Central line to Oxford Circus, Victoria line to Stockwell and then Northern line. Matt fidgeted his way along the central line. Delays like this used to just annoy him, but now he saw demons behind every corner. He couldn't relax, didn't sit, 
although there was miraculously a seat available. Instead, he paced near the door, muttering to himself. "'You look like a crazy person,' Jane said, and laughed her twinkly little laugh. "'I know,' he said. The train was held briefly at Bond Street, and Matt ducked off for a moment to check the platform. This was one place he knew the Aberdeck frequented, but again the platform was empty of anything unusual. "'Although something is wrong here,' he told Jane. "'I can feel it, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is.' From behind him, back on the train, Jane said, "'Well, I have at least one suggestion.' Matt stepped back onto the train as the doors began to close. He very deliberately didn't look behind him, didn't want to look at Jane, or rather... "'For a start, you're imagining that you're talking to someone who isn't here,' Jane said, somewhat pointedly, then laughed again. "'Could you stop laughing at me, please?' "'Sorry, no,' she said, and laughed again. "'This is how you think of me when you do think of me. "'This laugh is me. You know that.' "'Yes.' "'Matt was vaguely aware that his fellow passengers were giving him a wider berth. "'The train juddered into motion and slowly pulled out of the station, but stopped immediately. "'Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I just heard from Control "'that we can't stop at Oxford Circus due to a reported fire. "'This train will be non-stopping at Oxford Circus.' Passengers for Oxford Circus should change at Tottenham Court Road and continue their journey at street level. Reflexively, Matt looked back at the map, through where Jane should have been, or would have been if she was actually there. Fine. Change at Tottenham Court Road for the Northern Line. What do you bet there's a problem there, too? asked Jane with a laugh. Maybe. So why are you here at all? Have I gone mad with stress? It's all a bit sudden, if so. No, of course not. Well, maybe a little. I can't really answer that unless you know the answer yourself. I'm not Jane, obviously. I can't offer any insight beyond what you know already. Frankly, even if I was Jane, I'd probably not be able to answer that one. You're a projection of my subconscious. Sure, if you like. But why you? Why not Broden, Kate? Why not Dave? If I'm subconsciously looking for someone to talk to, any of those would make more sense. I've hardly interacted with Jane at all. Why her? Jane laughed. Well, I can't tell you anything you don't know. Have you been fantasising about me? You know I haven't. No, you haven't. You haven't really had much time for anything so frivolous of late, have you? Matt looked up at that. Wait, is that supposed to be some sort of clue? Maybe. Jane laughed. It is a rubbish clue. I need to give my subconscious a good talking to. This time they both laughed. Matt watched Oxford Circus Station creep slowly past the window, a deserted platform except for one lone transport policeman. Okay, so it wasn't a clue, he admitted, but that doesn't mean I can't work this out. Let's assume I'm not mad as such. Oh yes, let's. Shush, I'm thinking. It has to be something magical, right? Jane was quiet this time. Right, Matt continued. I've pushed myself too far lately. Uh, Broden and Wessex have both warned me, and I imagine Pete would too if I ever got to him. I've pushed and pushed and pushed, and the pressure, it's, it's building, isn't it? Leaking out in ways I can't really control. The dreams, the lightning on my fingers. You. It's all part of the same thing. 
You know, for a journey where you're supposed to be going south, you seem to have spent an awful lot of time shuttling west and east, said Jane. Just look at the map really carefully. Don't change the subject. It's all part of the same thing, isn't it? Matt asked. There was a pause. I don't like that interpretation, said Jane, not laughing. No, I suppose not. So now I'm seeing things, hearing things, she corrected. Fine, hearing things. I'm hallucinating marketing women. There's something more, isn't there? It still doesn't explain why you. You could just be going mad. Most of the people on the tube right now think you are. They can only hear your half of the conversation, and I don't imagine it's very reassuring. Matt looked at the faces of his fellow passengers. There was a wide space around him now, and people were very carefully not looking at him. He gave them a hopefully reassuring smile and dismissed them from his mind completely. So, it's about magic. It's the only explanation that doesn't lead me to the loony bin, if you see what I mean. I've used your magic twice. Once in that meeting, once against the move down lady. And now here you are. That's not a coincidence. It could be, she said, sounding sulky. She'd stopped laughing, and her voice seemed fainter. Don't go, not yet. I've got most of the way there. You can tell me the rest, can't you? Jane sighed, gave a tired little laugh. Sure, why not? You know it already. If you think about it some more, it should be obvious. Pete told you the first time you met. Everybody finds their own way to magic. It's as individual as a fingerprint, or a snowflake, maybe. No, a fingerprint is probably better, because when you take my magic, when you use it like you have been doing, you get my fingerprints all over you. Part of me sticks. A small part, normally. But what you did in that meeting, you are careless, untrained, trying something you really should never do. Matt was speaking along with Jane now, hearing every word in her voice and his own. Too much of Jane stuck, didn't it? I have a little echo of Jane stuck to my magic now, stuck to my mind even. And my magic is leaking out through the blemish, creating... Jane's voice had faded completely now. Creating you. Sorry, Jane, I'll be more careful. Perhaps he heard the faintest echo of Jane's twinkling laugh at that. Matt closed his eyes and took several deep breaths. He would have to be more careful, however funny Jane thought that was. He was trying to reclaim his life, not drive himself mad. If he kept pushing, he was going to lose the thing he was struggling so hard to try and regain. A feeling of calm crept over him, something he hadn't felt in days, weeks. It wasn't going to be easy. He would have to balance the need for speed and his need to keep a grip on things. But he could do it. He needed normality. He needed to take some time out, away. He needed to release some of the pressure without magic. He chuckled to himself. He was going to have to go to that wretched costume party. And he would need to fix things with Kate. He opened his eyes. So... To Pete for non-combat lessons, and maybe see if he had any advice about Jane. And then a day without magic, if he could manage it. He watched the tube doors close, 
Wait a minute. The automated voice came over the speaker. The next stop is Holborn. Change for the Piccadilly line. Matt swore. I've missed my stop. And as ever, that is where we leave it for another episode. Uh, in the background, you might hear my wife calling my name. I need to go and answer that. I'll be back in a moment. Okay, apparently that was nothing. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, my outro. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, another episode of Written Blood and Silver is coming your way early December. Uh, and the final chapter that I will be reading to you uh, should be out in January. Uh, you can follow me in my writing on Twitter at StoryCastRob or on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash StoryCastRob. Um, as I said, there was a couple of things going on in that episode that you may not have caught on the first listen, so feel free to go and listen to it again. Uh, there are three or four things which are clues to the bigger picture. Anyway, that is enough waffle from me. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you later.